0: You're listening to the PKX Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players so that you can become a better impact player yourself, learn how to better yourself, make a greater impact, and a greater difference in the world. My name is Peter King, I'm the host of the show, and today's guest is Tracy Litt. Tracy is a powerhouse mindset coach. She's a certified mindset coach and best-selling author. Um, She's a rapid transformational therapist, which means that she's able to get transformation very quickly with her clients, uh, and she is a top-notch speaker. She's the founder of what she calls The Lit Factor, which is a personal growth and coaching company. Um, Her book, Worthy Human, is an inspirational and empowering uh, message of growth, and she helps those looking to navigate their own limiting beliefs. If you ever thought to yourself, you know, I'm just getting in my own way, Tracy's the type of person that helps unlock that potential and really bring that to the surface, probably more so than you even really realized in yourself. So um, you might have noticed if you're a listener to this program before that I have been talking to several people who do similar types of things. And it's always refreshing and interesting to me to talk to these different people because they have um, very different and unique energies, very different, unique approaches to all this stuff. And I personally found Tracy to be very infectious. Her energy, her passion was uh, very uplifting. And um, so it's my hope and desire that there are people that are listening to this that will Hear Tracy and want to reach out and uh, connect with her and have her share some of her magic with you to help you become a greater impact player yourself. Um, one quick note before we dive into the call: if you would, if you haven't yet, download the podcast on iTunes on your cell phone on your mobile phone and leave a review. That would be so helpful for me. Um, I really appreciate those reviews. They help me better understand what's working, what's not, what's resonating. Uh, And, uh, and of course, it helps um, the podcast get a little bit more visibility so that more people can um, get access to these tremendous speakers as well. So if you could do that, that would be fantastic. I would be greatly appreciated. Of course, if anybody wants to send me an email, you can go to pkexperience.com forward slash contact. And, uh, I receive those directly me and my assistant and, um, I will be returning those as soon as I can. I love hearing from you, the audience. So, um, with that, let's dive into the call. Here I am with Tracy lit. All right. I'm here with Tracy lit Tracy. Thank you so much for joining me on the call today.
1: I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear more about what you're up to. You are a, uh, A fresh new author, yes. Or is this have you written a book before or is this your first one?
1: This is my first one.
0: Okay. So um for and I'm getting up to speed a little bit about who you are and what you're up to in the world. And and from what I've seen, we are you know very much in alignment with um what's needed in the world and how to uh how to help uplift others. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about your experience and how you got into it and all that. But for those that don't know, um, what is the name of the book and what is the premise? Because that's for me, that's sort of the, the intention with the call today is to better understand that.
1: Awesome. So, the name of the book is Worthy Human because you're the problem and the solution. And the premise is that our worth is inherent, that our enoughness is not negotiable. And once you're willing to jump on board with that truth, You can then start to really shift and change and take ownership for your life Mm -hmm. and put your hand up and go, okay, I am the problem and not veer away from ownership because you're afraid it's going to impact your value somehow because your worth, you got it, you nailed it, it's done. This world that we've been brought up in to think it's contingent on who we are or what we do or what happens outside of us is crap Mm -hmm. and is part of the reason why we're all having the problems and struggles that we are today. So that's the premise of the book, and I take you through it in a way that helps you really understand how to shift and implement different changes so you can wake up, realize how insanely powerful you are, (laughs) and you don't need to wait on anything or anyone else around you to create what you want in your life.
0: I've done a number of personal development programs and a lot of, um, you know, even in business conferences and stuff where you're kind of challenged to whether you're selling or you're learning about being a leader and things like that. And it's amazing to me how many different walks of life, how many different people from different perspectives, different socioeconomics, et cetera, we all sort of have this dysfunctional uh, conclusion that I am not enough. Why do you think that is across the board, regardless of any of people's Mm -hmm. brains? Yeah,
1: it is an absolute epidemic. Everyone struggles with it somewhere on the spectrum. And I think, well, I know that it's created by how we were each brought up, right? The things that happened to us and then the meanings that we created out of those things in our childhood. And then we grew up like, you know, in our 20s, said, this is who I am, assumed our identity, and carried that meaning and that disempowering belief that we created based on all the traumas and wounds we've endured, which, again, we all have. There's no one that hasn't had an experience in childhood that, as a kid, we perceived as, well, if I mattered, mommy wouldn't leave for work. If I was more enough, mommy and daddy wouldn't fight. There's all types of real uh, examples of it, but mm-hmm. it comes from our childhood. And then if we don't do the work that's available to us as the grown, fabulous adults we are now, then we'll stay stuck in that illusion of our lack of enoughness.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really, it, stuck is is definitely the right word because people do really get, um, you build a whole personality and a whole, a whole identity on top of that. And uh, if you're not aware of it, then yeah, that tends to rule your life. So how do you, how does one begin to chip away or, or, or completely annihilate those disempowering beliefs?
1: Mm. Well, the first thing that I would tell us to do is take a look at where we aren't, where we want to be in life, or if we're not feeling a certain way that we want to feel. You know, for me, I struggled with, I'm not smart enough. That was my version of not enoughness. Mm-hmm. And it was when I started my entrepreneurial journey that I was, hiding a little, and I was hedging, and I was not being as bold with what I really believed and thought. So in realizing I'm not doing what I want to be doing, and I'm stuck, and I'm not where I want to be, that's when we take a step back and we dig into, right? Mm -hmm. What's stopping me? What do I believe about myself? What does my inner dialogue with myself sound like? And you'll find your limits if you get quiet enough
2: mm-hmm.
1: to hear yourself, right? That's where it began. Then I took it a step deeper, and I uh, was a client of rapid transformational therapy, which was hypnosis. And I figured out, and I write about it in the book, my entire upbringing, I had a great upbringing. My parents were amazing. <laughs> but I was comparing myself to my older sister who was two years older than me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nobody did anything. This was all my little meaning maker, which is what I mean by it all happens in childhood. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at her going, well, I'm not as smart as her. I'm not as good as her. And I developed a belief system about myself that was showing up in what I was trying to do in my adult life.
0: Mm. Uh, You mentioned hypnosis. Um, I've been, before I went on my personal development journey, hypnosis to me was the, the, you know, the after party trick that the you know, the entertainer did to get people to do stupid stuff. What is hypnosis to you? And and for those that aren't familiar with that, what can help explain what, what that is?
1: Yes. Oh, I'm so glad we're talking about this. Cause I also <laughs> had been, you know, my, my life before who I am in the world. Now I was a VP of people and culture for healthcare companies for 12 years. And I was at a conference where the headliner was a hip, uh, hypnosis, uh, hypnotic entertainer mm-hmm. and he was making people do things and it freaked me out about hypnosis. because I'm like I don't want you to tell me to quack like a duck and I'll do it like no right. um, but really what hypnosis is it's a trans state where your conscious analytical mind is not in charge right and your subconscious is accessed so we are actually in and out of trans all day so if you ever had the experience of driving home and you've done the route a thousand times but you pull in your driveway and you're like, I have no idea how I just drove home. Yeah. You cannot recall the route you took. That was your subconscious taking that route while your conscious mind was off in another planet talking on the phone or thinking about something else. That's a trance state. If you're washing the dishes and you start to dry them and you kind of get lost for a few seconds and you've been drying the same dish for two minutes, that's a trance state. Happens all the time. That's what hypnosis is. It's when we calm your conscious and analytical mind, and we drop you into your subconscious so we can access things on a deeper level within your body.
0: So, in each of those examples, this kind of I've thought about this before, but this kind of re hit me as you were saying that when you're driving home when you're doing the dishes, those are things that are repetitive tasks that you've done a million times. You're going through the motions. Your body knows what to do. That's why you're able to sort of disconnect consciously because your body almost knows I know I'd have to turn left here at the light. I go here on the highway, I get off at this exit. And, but if you were going somewhere new, you'd have to be in your conscious mind because you've never been there before. Is this the right turn. You're looking at the map, whatever. Um, so in what way is that uh, synonymous to, our behaviors and our beliefs—the pattern side of it—the you know the, the the neurosis of like what you were saying as a childhood—we come up with these conclusions. Have you looked into the science part of it, like in the brain and how all that works?
1: Yeah. Well, there's so the first thing that comes up for me when you're asking this because this is phenomenal is this is why awareness is key, right? You were saying this is all the things that are in our subconscious and our subconscious is controlling at a minimum 95% of our output, Mm. right? And it's just habitual, like you were saying, you just know how to do it, which is why we have to dig into raising the awareness of ourselves, becoming our own observers, digging into what are we actually doing it? What are we doing? Where does it come from? So that we can access some level of change. So awareness has to happen because everything is a habit, essentially, everything is a habit. Emotional habits, behavioral habits, tendencies, ways of being, moods are a habit. So when you become aware, then you can dig into the subconscious. What created that? Why do you have that habit? Where does that mood come from? Why are you, why do you keep affirming it in your nervous system over and over and over again even though you don't want to be angry but you're still angry. So right. freaking out and being aware of that so you can actually change it.
0: Well, to use that example, to use the the going into a trance state when you're driving. Uh, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I, I went to work, you know, for several years going a particular route. And then they did some work on the highway and they changed the the exit. And I had to get off at an exit earlier. And I'm, you know, I know this, but my subconscious t- kept taking over and I missed that exit thinking I'd have to get off at the normal exit. But then of course that exit was closed and I had to go down like literally five miles. And it took me probably two weeks before I mean, sometimes I'd remember, but sometimes I'd just, I'd be in a trance and I'd forget. And then I realize ah, when I start to get off the highway, oh, I can't get off at the stick and exit mm-hmm. anymore. And it was so frustrating. And it's so funny how, how primal we are sometimes with, with our habits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I, I have several questions that come up for me when I think of this. Um, and maybe this is the best next question to ask you, which is like, having the audacity to say that you are worth it. How do you know that? Like, from what authority do you say that from? Oh, that's a big question. I love
1: question. you. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's not about audacity or nerve or right. anything. It, I say that because sometimes, no, no, no. from the
0: perspective of somebody who's in that, it's like, who are you to oh, tell oh, me? A
1: thousand percent. Right? Who, who, who I am to tell you right. is I'm the person that you've been needing to listen to your entire life hmm. because all of the lies and the bullshit that you have allowed to guide you up until now are wrong. Mm-hmm. However you arrived at feeling not worth it and not enough is all up in between your ears, right? Yes, and in your nervous system because that's where our emotions live, but it's stories, it's memories, it's what you made things mean. But the truth, and this is why I can say this, and you don't have to believe me yet. I always say this to everybody I talk to. <laughs> I'm
2: gonna
1: hold the space for you until you get on board. Your worth, Your lovability, your enoughness, your significance as a human being is your birthright. It is only our misunderstanding of how we operate as humans in our human technology, our culture, our society that has led us to believe something else. Mm -hmm. The actual truth is you are born pure, enough, worthy, lovable, and you matter and then life happens all over you
2: mm-hmm. and you
1: create different meanings and you have all these stories and narratives and then you grow up and you keep playing what I call the, I'm not enough game. Mm-hmm. And because of how your mind works and your reticular activating system, and you will always, always, always see what you look for. You will then constantly find evidence of, see, I'm not enough. Told you. Oh, look at what just happened here. And you'll smack the meaning of I'm not enough on it. We have to be willing to say, I am worthy. I am enough because I woke up today. Mm -hmm. That's it. From that space, how different could your life be? Mm -hmm. What kind of different choices are you making? How would you be using your voice, setting boundaries, expanding your impact, growing your business, having critical conversations, not taking things personally? This is the shit that keeps us down. Mm -hmm. So it's not negotiable.
0: Do you have a, I see the, Statue behind you. Uh, a lot of people are going to be just listening to this, but uh, is that a what? What type of statue is that?
1: It's a it's a Buddha holding a candle.
0: <laughs> okay, it's, it's a little blurry, so I wasn't sure. Yeah. Uh, do you have a spiritual practice? Is that part of it, or what is your?
2: You don't want to
1: ask. Yeah, no, I, I love talking about all of this. Um, my spiritual practice is about me connecting to myself.
2: I am mm-hmm.
1: um, I'm Jewish, I'm raised Jewish. I practice the traditions of it. Uh, But to me, my spiritual practice is how do I connect to myself? Meditation, journaling, getting quiet as much as I possibly can, Mm -hmm. and working out my healing consistently, right? Like Mm -hmm. when something comes up and I recognize something, that's my connection to spirituality. So it's really within me. And I really believe it's in every single one of us.
0: I agree. Um, One of the difficulties that I had, at least when I first started to become more aware is disassociating my sense of self from my story, from my beliefs and my identity. And it was kind of hard to, there was no voice. The voice was the disempowering belief. So my identity was the limiting beliefs. Do you have any ideas or any advice on how to begin to pull away from that? So you can start to see the story as an observer, as opposed to being in the middle of it going, well, easy for you to say, Tracy, I was raped, stolen from, abused, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's me, that is who I am.
1: Yeah, oh, I love this too. So here's the thing, everything's a choice. Everything's a choice and I need us to understand choice means you get to choose. Mm-hmm. So you can take those quote defining moments of your life or bigger circumstances and you can choose to have them define and create the trajectory of your entire life. You could put it in a backpack and throw it on your back and carry it with you every day, all day for the rest of your life, you're choosing it. This is what it means by, there's a famous quote, and I apologize, I don't recall who said it. Uh, You are not responsible for what happened to you in childhood. However, as an adult, you are 100% responsible for healing it. Not fixing because you're not broken, but healing it, letting it go, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So first making the choice to say, I am not what happened to me. Making a powerful decision. I am not my past. I am done continuously giving it power because that's the irony. We don't want it, but we give it all this power by Mm -hmm. feeding into it and continue to identify with it, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're going to first make a decision, we're going to make a choice, I am done with that then we must practice forgiveness massive for shifting into a different belief of yourself and your Mm -hmm. life because forgiveness is your ability to free yourself. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's your ability to put the past down, see it with fresh eyes and choose your way into a different future
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and rewriting your story, like actually get a pen and paper, Nothing's more powerful, by the way, the way you access your subconscious writing. I know we're all typers now, yeah. but we have to get back into the habit of writing and mm-hmm. actually write the old story first. I'm, I'm in the middle of teaching this in a program right now. Write your old story, everything your ego identifies with, and then take a break and come back and write the new story from the perspective of who do you want to be? How do you want to feel? And what do you want to create in your life?
0: Where do you start on that? Like, If i was to sit down with a piece of paper what am i writing
1: i would start with your overarching story like things you believe about yourself your Mm self-concept i'm someone who this and that Um, i was never smart enough my parents always struggled with money that's why i'm this way and that way nothing comes easy to me everything's a real struggle everybody else is successful my company will never be as successful just allow yourself to kind of dream of consciousness and this is tricky too (laughs) without judgment without judgment because we love to self-judge and it's, it's a killer. In the book, I, uh, there's a chapter called The Things That Are Sucking Your Soul. Mm-hmm. And I talk about judgment because to do this work, we have to work on releasing self-judgment. So you can just articulate. And then what happens when now your old story is on paper, this is beautiful, <laughs> and you're looking at it in front of you, you now realize it's outside of you. You're now the thing that's observing the story and then you jump back into choice again
2: Mm.
1: and you go, do I want this anymore?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Is this an alignment for me? And then you start to make new choices from there.
0: Can you give an example of perhaps even like a, a case study or somebody that you've even worked with where maybe they had a particular limiting belief pattern around I'm not enough and how you worked with them and then how that new pattern of thinking, the new story that they wrote, actually resulted in new tangible results in their life. Because I think a lot of people hear about this kind of stuff and it sounds a little woo woo, or it sounds like, oh, really? I just need to sit down and write a new story? Okay, Tracy, uh, I, I'll, I guess. But, but to hear an actual example yeah. uh, of how that actually attracts a different reality is, I think, yeah. super powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to say one thing. Writing the story is one component of the work, right? Mm -hmm. There is no world where you're just going to write the story and then magically your door is going to get knocked on and your new life appears. There's a reason why it's
0: called the work.
1: The work, (laughs) the work, work. and it's beautiful work. It's the reason we're here. I want to be clear about that. Your purpose in life and not your passion are two different things. Your purpose in life is healing, growth, and expansion. When you put your energy and effort into those things, all of the symptoms and perceived problems that you are currently struggling with will dissipate because you're finally dealing with the core issue. Mm -hmm. Our problem is never the problem. The problem is what lies underneath the problem. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: that's where all this work comes in. So I just need Mm -hmm. to say that because I want to be very truthful about the kind of consistency and consciousness and practice and patience it takes to really change. Yes. So... The first person that comes to mind is an incredible client of mine who came struggling with not enoughness and a real fear of vulnerability uh, because her upbringing was suck it up buttercup. Like there was like even like a family mantra, like that's not how we roll, you know, throw Mm -hmm. some dirt on it and move on. Mm -hmm. Um, And it created a very, very um, restricted closed tension in her, massive disconnection in her relationship with her partner that she had been struggling with for quite some time and she also had an aspiration to start a business she's, she's a trainer physical trainer mm-hmm. personal trainer uh and her inability to feel her feelings and if i feel my feelings then i'm not lovable then i'm not welcome that i'm not enough which is what her suck it up buttercup familial environment ingrained in her, right? Cause what? like, you're the odd man out, we're not giving you what everybody else gets. So that was her version of enoughness. We did the work, we coached NRTT'd for six months. And it's funny, I will get messages from her to this day. She's in awe of how much she loves to feel her feelings. She's had monumental life-changing mm-hmm. critical conversations with her father, who, you know, was a part of the, the block originally. Mm-hmm. Um, She now moved across the country and lives with the partner. And they are like, everything is madly in love alignment because she's able to just show up and expose herself. Mm -hmm. And her fear no longer stops her. And she knows that no matter how she shows up, she is enough. So her relationship is soaring. They now live together. The business that she aspired to create is incredible. It is a online fitness business that is changing people. I mean, she really does incredible work in the world physically, and Mm -hmm. she does a lot of the mental game with them too. So her life is like a 180 from where it was when she was not enough and afraid to feel her feelings.
0: I think the whole feeling you're feeling things, feeling your feelings thing is uh, really profound when you really grasp that. Because I think a lot of people who are just new to this, hear this, and they they hear the, the utopian world where everything's perfect and it's amazing. And it's not that, of course. Everybody that I've spoken to who has um, done this work, who has achieved a level of inner peace, it's not that their lives are perfect. It's that they, A, like you just said, feel the feelings when they come up. So, when something shitty comes along, they're not in resistance to it or they're not reacting to it angrily or shutting down or whatever. There is a processing that's authentic, that's true and real in the moment. So it may not quote unquote, be, quote unquote be perfect, but they're able to navigate it, feel it, move through it and return to sort of a home base of joy, happiness, abundance that becomes the the gravity of their life at that point.
1: Yes, um, yes. I yeah. wanna say a couple things about this because I couldn't agree more. Feeling your feelings is, is a massive component of, number one, accepting your humanness, right, uh, and being able to expand and, and create the life that you want. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why we don't feel our feelings is because we judge them as bad. We don't want to feel them. Mm-hmm. Embarrassment, right, fear, shame, uh, nervousness, sadness, whatever it is, the good feelings we're all on board with because we're judging those as good, right? Mm -hmm. And this is not about smacking positive psychology over everything. I'm not a proponent of that. It's not about rainbows and unicorns. It's about understanding your personal power and how in any given moment you can change how you perceive something, what you think about something, what you make something mean, what you're focusing on and the language you use to describe it. And in using your inner power, that way you change everything. Mm -hmm. So when we get to the point where we're willing to say, you know what, I'm just willing to feel all my feelings. Like I'm willing to feel anything, game changer. Because you'll go after the big deal. If they say no, they say no. You don't have to walk away and make it mean anything bad about you, right? right? You can have that conversation with your partner and then end up crying your eyes out. No big deal, doesn't mean anything, right? Our ability to stop judging our feelings and then as a result, avoid them. So then that stops us from showing up fully is a major block. And it's super common.
0: Yes. You talked about personal power and this is something that I um, am in teaching and reinforcing with my own kids is helping them understand reacting to a situation is giving power to your boss, to your partner, to your, to your friend, to your teacher, to whoever it's letting them, like you said, not judging your feelings, but it's also not judging what you think other people are judging your, your feelings or your life about. Right. So I I love that idea of going into the business meeting and saying, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe it doesn't work, but that doesn't take away from me. Like that's the retaining the personal power piece that I just wanted to.
1: Yes. I'm glad you nailed (laughs) that home. And that's exactly what my mission is in worthy human. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing can or ever will influence your worth. Stop walking around like a can mm. because the notion of that and the construct of that is in essence, the problem.
2: Yes.
0: Do you, do you find there's a difference between how men and women processes, like, especially like with the feeling your feelings piece, have you noticed a difference? And if so, like, what is that difference or? Yeah.
1: I, I have, uh, I do serve more women than men, but I absolutely do work with men as well. And it comes from a different angle. So for men, it's about moving through into how to really be vulnerable and that showing your emotions and being soft isn't judged as negative it's mm-hmm. actually magnificent mm-hmm. right and, and and it's it's the road to go down so that you can have more balance in yourself internally and for women it's speaking up more right it's like the direct opposing problem mm-hmm. it's using your voice it's showing up it's allowing yourself to have a little bit more masculinity in those mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. and moving through that so it's that's really the, the main difference is and the beauty of it and the goal is to kind of balance and temper with both,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Both the masculine and the feminine.
2: A
0: hundred percent. Yeah. I think of it as backbone and heart, you know, structure and love, truth and love, and that we all have those elements within us. Um, and perhaps men are a little bit more wired to, to be the structure and the backbone and the strength. Maybe women, if I'm painting with a very broad brush, uh, are more wired for the love and empathy and compassion. And yet we obviously all have strength and structure and, and power, but also love and joy and empathy and, and all that. So leaning on those energies uh, to navigate life has been sort of a practice of mine as well.
1: I, I think it's incredible that you work on that because it's our culture and society. That's the problem. It really is. It's not okay to be you're judged as you're discounted for and it's quite frankly gross and unacceptable. It's and part so of, all of our work needs to
0: change. It's so immature. We are our society is so immature, we're a bunch of children yelling at each and it's, it's embarrassing yeah. to have grown adults on the news, uh, in politics and it just it's like when are we going to grow up? This is so ridiculous, and and the whole uh, men are better, no women are better. No, it's like, come on, people, let's go. No. And
1: uh, I could, I couldn't agree with you more. It's maddening. I remember when the the last presidential race was going on, I wrote a blog post about what it was actually teaching us, yeah. and articulated those things like, this is ridiculous. So we're teaching our children to like not hear each other and argue and bicker yes. and and hit below the belt. And it's like, what are we doing?
0: It's so. What ridiculous.
1: are we doing? There's no. Is- Go
0: ahead. I was just gonna say this is why your work is so powerful and needed, and it's because when you quote unquote realize that you always have had the power that you do, you like you just said. If I don't get the business deal, it's okay. If if I go and somebody says something that's offensive, it's okay. It's it's not me. It's you know uh, things are gonna happen in the world. It's never gonna be perfect but when we retain our power we we grow we mature we're not as uh, offended we're not in as in a reactive state and like if you look at collectively where we are as a society it's like we're all shadow we're like the shadow versions of the masculine and feminine form and it's it it is maddening you use the word maddening it's totally it, maddening no it
1: actually is <laughs> maddening i i said this on a live this morning i want to shake everyone I want to walk around and shake everyone
2: yeah.
1: to to awaken you yes. right? to how powerful you are. Because what you were saying before about this happens when you make it about you, that's an egoic mindset, right? That's allowing your ego to drive. And our ego has no place in a satiated soul and a successful life, mm. right? Yes, it has its purposes from a drive standpoint. And you'll always thrive and strive because your ego is your ego. But when you can really learn how to think and always know and practice and run your life with the belief of I'm enough and my worth isn't negotiable, then you're arriving at every situation and every circumstance through a different lens.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and when that um, decline happens or the, they don't hire you or whatever doesn't quote go your way, you're not an egomaniac being like, Oh, it was about me. I can't believe this. I can't. It's like, what? It's fine. It doesn't mean anything about you. Yeah. Take the feedback, maybe tweak a few things and move on.
0: Yeah. Um, how did you get into all this? What, what's a little bit of your backstory that got you to be so passionate about it?
1: So uh, let's see. Well, my mom, um, who I lost when I was 24, hmm. she was a spiritual healer in the later years of her life. Hmm. And I was very, I didn't realize it then because, you know, I was a silly obnoxious teenager and (laughs) young adult (laughs) Uh, but it had a massive impact on me and through the few years of work she did I learned some pretty incredible core components like responsibility and choice Uh, and that was always living within me and then I kind of went through my life and I worked in corporate America Uh, was uh, became a single mom when I was eight months when my daughter was eight months old and Hmm. had a lot of stuff going on and the circumstances in my life were yelling at me. Like, hello, what are you doing? <laughs> Is this where you wanted to be? You need to do something.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: how it felt to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I started just going down the path of playing with, we're reading books, you know, just like the dabble, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners will resonate with. You know, you read a book, you're not totally in, but your toes in the water. Right. Um, and while this is all happening, I'm rebuilding my life with my daughter and then um, in my corporate job and things are fine, but I'm kind of dying inside. I think it's a pretty common story too. Uh, you know, I'm in corporate America, everything's fine. I'm doing well, it's, I'm making money, my company loves me. It's all good, but I am not fulfilled. My mm-hmm. soul is like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You cannot get to the end of your life and this is all you've done. Mm-hmm. You're meant to do something bigger and greater Mm -hmm. And those kinds of internal conversations started cracking me open. And then I said, okay, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to go back to school. And I researched a ton of modalities, psychotherapy, coaching, hypnosis, all of it. And ultimately arrived at coaching because it is a phenomenal industry. Just the whole personal growth, self-development world I was in love with.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then I found the school sat on the idea for two years because that's how afraid I was, which is why now I am masterful with fear with people because I moved through it myself. Two years. I waited to enroll in school.
0: Well, I'm sure a lot of (laughs) listeners right now are hearing two years and going, Oh, it's not that long. Like I think of some of the stuff I went took, however long it took me to do something like 10 years. 15,
1: 20 years. Yeah. Right, right. No, I, yeah. I, I, I get that. Um, and no, we're not allowed to compare. That's another. That's another thing we need to let go of. Um, and then finally, you know, got quiet one night, connected to myself, and realized I just didn't want to go down without going for it. And mm. that was it. Went to coaching school, manifested a layoff from my corporate job. <laughs> while I was that's in coaching. Totally. I was the happiest person to be laid off on any phone call ever. Like my president was confused. She was like, I'm, did you hear me? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Bro, you're good. I, yeah. Thanks.
0: Well, but, that's, yeah. that to me is the beauty of this kind of work because when you truly understand it, quote unquote, bad things can happen and you're already connected to what does this mean in a positive way? In, in what way is this liberating me? In what way is this bringing needed change to my life that is going to improve my life? You always hear people say things like, oh, it's the end of the world. Well, it might be, but you don't know what the beginning of the new world is. You don't know how great the next world is going to be. So maybe it's, maybe it's a good thing that there's a quote-unquote end of the world as we know it right now. It's the beginning of a world that we don't know. And who's to say that that's not going to be even way better?
1: Yes, and that actually is another truth. I say truth with a TH at the end, because Mm -hmm. what's true is your perspective of what's true, which is never truth. It's just what you see and think, right? Mm -hmm. Truth are things that are indisputable. Mm -hmm. And another truth is everything's always happening for your highest good. Highest good doesn't mean you're going to like it when it happens. Doesn't (laughs) mean it's going to be painless. Doesn't mean it's the outcome you wanted, right? But if we each were to think back on the, tr- the, the past of our life and the doors that closed, eventually it brings you to, like right now, you know, I, I married my husband who I love and had what went down with my ex didn't go down. My daughter was eight months old. I'd never be here. Right? Like everything brings you into the next place that your highest good, that your journey is asking you to show up for.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The layoffs, the illnesses, the triumphs, the divorces, the things that don't go your way.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And when you can, instead of living in a myopic world, which is what too many of us do, something goes down that we don't want to have happened. And then we like coddle it and hold it in our laps like babies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and we give it all this focus and attention, which only exacerbates how shitty we feel. Yes. And then we block our ability to see anything greater. And what we need to do when something doesn't go our way is go meta view, right? Meta view, like when you go so high up, you're almost in like a spaceship looking down at the earth. And when you rise up that high from whatever perceived problem or issue you're struggling with, oh, it's all relative. It's so yeah. small. You see so much and you feel so much better. Right. Have you
0: seen, have you seen that, that video called the pale blue dot? No, it's uh it's, a, it's an old Carl Sagan uh, narrated video and it starts off, you know, like in a park, if I remember correctly or something like that. And it just starts to zoom out and it, you know, it's a, the building level and it zooms out and then it's a cloud level and then it pulls out near atmosphere. And then you see the earth, you know, and you're probably, it's like, you're looking at the earth from the moon and then you just keep pulling back and it pulls, 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 pulls all the way back to where it's just a tiny pale blue dot. And then he goes, you know, every world war, every uh, plague, every triumph, Jesus, Gandhi, you know, uh, all all of humankind happened on that tiny little blue dot way. And it's like, oh my gosh, we are just a speck on a speck on a speck out in the middle of this crazy universe. There's so much more to see and understand
1: if yes. we zoom
0: out. Yeah. Yes.
1: And I think that's like from a principle standpoint, right. And, and what are the tenets of how you live? Knowing that everything happens for your highest good and where you are now is not where you're going to land and going up and taking that meta view mm-hmm. changes everything. Mm -hmm. Even in talking about it, you can, it's like the energy changes. Like, wait a second, what am I freaking out about? What am I holding on so tight for? Calm down. Like, (laughs) everybody, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I talk a lot about levity in the book, too, because I think it's wildly underused and under-discussed. And it's something that we have on us at all times where we can be more playful and sillier and go from this, like, white-knuckling, intense control... Which is like a big problem for us, and yeah. like light, just lighten up.
0: Yeah, relax.
1: relax. It's all good. No one. I say this. Calm down. No one's getting out alive. Okay, that's,
0: <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good that's point. Tr- <laughs> uh, and it's true. People miss out on the the magic of life because they're so white knuckling it. And it's like, do you did you not notice? You know. I don't know. The, the things that my kids do that just have me cracking up all the time. You know, just silly little stuff. My son, they um what was it? They they had a video that they had to do for school as a presentation two a couple of nights ago and he he made this video called lame heroes and he and his friends it was like superheroes but they were they were uh they were given lame superpowers. So <laughs> His superpower was warm breeze. His name his name was Kaze or something like that because it's Japanese for warm breeze. Like, what a crappy <laughs> superpower to have—just blow warm breeze on people. And then his friend was Moody Max, and he he would go into mood swings. That's <laughs> just so ridiculous. And to see this like little junior high kid who's playing out these mood swings as his superpower was <laughs> hilarious. Just there's so much there's so many things that are funny there's so
1: many things but you you had an experience of presence with that right you were able to take it in you're able to be there with it and those are the moments and we miss so much of it yeah because we are focused on the wrong things or we're spinning out or we're keeping ourselves so busy yeah uh and all of that is because we're trying to be enough we're trying yeah. to claim our value and that's why my mission I'm so emphatic and crazy about it because the way we were raised is wrong the go 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 do do do
2: yeah
1: you know what you've done equals your va- value hurry up do it faster when we need to create space and relax and connect to ourselves and each other and the irony is is that when you take more time for yourself and you do all that kind of work your success expands beyond when you used to hustle constantly. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: uh, Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about this, the power of now and um, disassociating ourselves from future anxiety. What am I going to do in the future? How am I going to pay this bill? What if she leaves me? What if he leaves me this, that, whatever. And also living in the past and being depressed and uh, if I hadn't gotten cheated on or if I, they didn't steal from me or if I didn't get abused or uh, I'd be better. And we're so not in the now, which is what you're talking about, the the presence to know because when you really connect to the now, when you really do quiet down those voices of the future and the past and you realize the only real truth ending TH that there is, is the now, yeah. all of that goes away. You realize you do have the personal power. You really Connect to the idea that you are enough, that you are worthy, and it is a game changer.
1: It, it is. And the <laughs> other irony about the past is it actually only exists in between your ears. Yeah,
2: that's right. It, Can
1: we just talk about that I for know, a second? Because it always yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, it does. It's like, so you're just choosing to perpetually think about stuff that's gone, that doesn't exist, that's not relevant or helpful, and from a brain standpoint, this is new research, we actually remember a limited percentage of what actually the past was. Mm. (laughs) So we can just stop doing that, and I know Mm. I, I sound like I'm simplifying, but not really. That's what choice is, and your mind learns by repetition. So just, you make the new choice, new choice, new choice, new choice, in a moment where your system is Being taken over by the way you used to be, like let's say you're ruminating about the past and that was your jam for a while. To grow your awareness to such a level where you're like, whoa, I'm doing that rumination thing. I'm choosing to not do that. Let me interrupt my nervous system through a different rate depth of breathing is is my favorite go-to and make a new choice. And the new choice could simply be refocusing your thoughts into be here now. Mm -hmm. What's real is I'm sitting in a room I'm sitting on a chair, I'm, I'm on a computer, I'm safe, Yep. all is well. And you do that enough times consistently, like I said earlier, consciously, patiently, and over and over again. Yes. And you will shift out of that habit.
0: I'm so grateful that you said consciously and patiently and over and over because I think some practitioners out there will, will sort of echo what you're saying by saying, it's so simple, just let go. And it's like, yes, it's simple conceptually it's simple, but it can be very difficult because we have those, I think literally I'm not a brain, you know, scientist per se, but we have those neuronic pathways that are grooved into our minds of this old story. And if those grooves have been grooved, you know, you've told that story over and 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 over, then that is going to be your default. And when you begin to awaken from that and you, and the simple piece is to have a new story, okay, fine but it takes time to get out of that groove and that's where that patience I think is so necessary to be so, to to love yourself enough to be patient with yourself when you ram your head into the brick wall again and you go, what am I doing? I, it's like me driving to work that that time and I keep messing, missing the exits, like be patient. It's all right. I know there's another better exit. I'm going to do this again. And you, and you start re grooving the, More empowering story,
1: yes. And like I said before, everything's a habit, it's a thought habit. Mm -hmm. What you're in is a habit of thought. You're Mm -hmm. someone who futures a lot and projects into the future. You're just calling in the anxiety, you're just like, Hey, anxiety, come hang out with me because (laughs) our mind hates the unfamiliar. That's another, there's several laws of your mind. Another one is your mind hates the unfamiliar and will do everything it possibly can to keep you in a familiar space, Mm -hmm. right. So when you're in a place where you're wanting to change one of those pathways that you're referencing, it does take that repetition because essentially what you're doing is you're creating a new pathway. And if you would imagine it like a a thick branch on a tree that can expand in girth and thickness, right? every time you interrupt your nervous system and choose the new thought, you're, making it that you're running through that same new pathway over and over and over. So you're thickening and making stronger and rooting that new way of thinking right. that will eventually become your default. The beautiful thing that happens with the, the old rumination or the way you used to worry, let's say, is when you don't pay attention to it, when you choose the new thought over and over and over, the old thought pathway actually disappears over time like it just goes away. Imagine it like you're watering a plant. If you stop watering it and giving it attention, it will leave. Mm -hmm. And you water and give attention to the new thought and the new direction that you're building your life in Mm -hmm. over and over and over and over again.
0: Totally. Um, Such a fascinating discussion. If we can shift gears here for a second, I'd like to just explore a couple other things with you um, from a business perspective. uh, And as a working mom, um, you've written a book, like, how do you find the time to do that? How do you navigate work life balance? Uh, do you, you know, you, you mentioned you have a great relationship with your husband. H- how does some of that work? Let's go into some of that if you would, cause uh, I'm curious cool. to hear that cool. side of things.
1: Um, I don't believe in work life balance. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Check, I-
0: Check that, box. Check that what, box. What do you mean by that?
1: Uh, I think it's a myth. I actually think that the construct of work-life balance becomes yet another thing that we need to achieve. That's uh, right.
2: okay.
1: Right, because now oh, I don't have work-life balance and you're running around trying to achieve work-life balance. What it is really about is presence in whatever you're doing in each moment, Okay. right? Giving yourself fully, uninterruptedly into, if right now we're working, we are working. No, I can't help you. No, I'm not available to do that. I am focused. I am in all my energy. Everything I've got is right here. If I am out to dinner with my family, I'm not working. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not doing anything. But even like I have three teenage daughters and they leave their phones at home. Talk mm. about victory. Mm. Um, <laughs> so we have presence. Is that, that is that a
0: family rule or is that are they just doing that on their own?
1: No, it is definitely a family rule, uh, but they're cool about it. The first time we got the eye rolls and the huff and the puff, and then ultimately they got it because if we don't, I'm just going to use this moment, if we don't teach our children parameters with technology, we are really harming them, (laughs) like deeply, 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 deeply harming them.
0: Yeah, the science is coming out. It's not Mm -hmm. good. Well, how do parents not get this? My daughter's 13 and she still doesn't have a phone yet. I'm like, I have, I am in no rush to give her this uh, addictive piece of technology. I struggle with it. Like, why would I? And her brain is still forming. She's still growing and learning. And par- you always hear parents go like, he's on it all the time. I just, you know, I can't get him. I'm like, hello.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah you know what's so interesting? I think number one, it's a uh, – it's like a it's a pressure thing in terms of well everybody's doing it everybody's kids have it so right. you give it to your kid but i also think it's because we're in an interesting era where we're letting the tail wag the dog
2: yeah
1: right in a lot of parental situations if you're saying your kids on their phone too much what is stopping you from putting in a boundary and parenting them correct but we are so afraid to not be loved are so not interested in uh, what it takes to parent. Parenting is crazy. Right. <laughs> like being a parent, I feel like we're just grown up kids trying to raise other kids. Yeah. We're still working out our stuff.
2: Yep.
1: Um, so I, I, I watch a lot of parents like be afraid. I actually, this is really relevant. One of my daughter's birthday parties I made all the girls that were sleeping over drop their phones in a basket by the front door before they got to Whoa,
0: me. how did you, yeah, talk about it.
1: Okay. And one of the girls looks at me and she goes, well, what are we supposed to do? What are we do? supposed
2: to do, exactly?
1: And I looked in her eyes and I held her little face and I said, you're gonna talk to each other.
2: <laughs> Whoa, so,
1: that's yes. Best sleepover ever. Everyone's talking about it. I got them games with questions. They sat, they learned about each other. We had a great time. The next day, the response from the moms, and of course I texted all the moms like, hey, your kids don't have your phones. If you need them, text me. Like, I'm not going to cut you off from your children. Um, The next day, the mom's responses were, oh my God, my daughter would have never let me do that. They would never have gone for that. And I'm thinking to myself, Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: that, that, that clears it up, right? Most people, they just, I don't know. You don't want to do the work. You don't want to have the resistance. You don't want to push.
2: Well, and listen, people don't put
1: restrictions.
0: Listen to the language. My daughter wouldn't let yeah. me do that. Like,
1: right. who's the right. My daughter the parent? would never go for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Who is leading who here? It's mind boggling to me. And we've been through that a little bit with, with my kids, with the whole technology thing. And oh, But I'll, I'm the last one of all my friends. I'm like, well, sorry,
2: mm-hmm.
0: period. Sorry. It sucks. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And, and you know what, look, there is a part of me that goes, you know, is, is there on some level, is this taking away from her? Because at that age, especially it's, it's, it's about belonging and friends are huge and they're starting to pull away from mom and dad. And if there isn't a, you know, so in a perfect world, yeah, there'd be a group of friends where they didn't all have their phones and they could kind of connect to each other or whatever. But um, it's been really interesting to see my kids navigate that and, and i've explained to them too this is the other piece is this is why i'm doing this this is why mom and dad are doing this it's out of your own protection and love and there's going to be plenty of time for you to get into all of that later but like let's really hone in on the sense of self right now and better understand who you are and how to communicate and let's let's build the foundation first before we start to add all that mm-hmm. on top of it and yeah, so far and, anyway and,
1: it's and when she gets one because she will then you get to number 1 she'll be more interpersonally savvy which yes. is which is really the biggest detriment i'm seeing yeah. like our children don't know how to be people
2: yeah
1: because they're not being asked to engage and speak like yeah. for our generation even though we are all all of us and sometimes i'm too addicted too like we all suffer from this on some level yeah but we at least were raised at a time where we didn't have it like yeah. we had to up until you know for some of us 20, 25 years old. Okay, and you would leave the house and you were younger, and as long as you were back by midnight, your parents had no idea where you went. You went all over the place. I know I was. Yep. Uh, so we had the opportunity to grow and expand interpersonally and understand what it means to connect and talk to people's parents and have that kind of relationship. Yep. That's why we have to. We have to do better. We really there, all have to do better.
0: Just to play devil's advocate for a second, is there a part of this that's it's us just going this is the way it used to be and it was better then. and is there something positive about the digital connection that our kids are going to grow up and and that they'll tell their kids oh well at least when I was a kid we used to text to each other and now kids don't even talk or whatever (laughs) is there you know just to play devil's advocate I
1: appreciate appreciate that and I think that there's a ton of benefits to the phone and digitally and things like that um but if they're gonna have it, there has to be some parameters. Yeah. There has to be restriction because the detriment is so much greater. And the truth is is that smartphones haven't been out for a long enough cycle for the research to have been done to understand are we all gonna die of brain cancer? Right. All right. Is ever like what's the actual metrics of what's happening? We don't know well, yet because it hasn't been around long enough.
0: That's very true. Although that said, with the amount of time that it has been out, I think there are some data that's already starting to show, especially with young kids. And this to me really does, part of the reason why I think it's appropriate to dive into this is it really does relate to what you're talking about with worthiness, because that's such a huge issue, especially for teens, especially for teen girls. When you have that social media and the contrast between what I'm not therefore I'm not worthy versus so-and-so on Instagram that has this perfect polished life and they're worthy. That gap is so immense that it's, and the pressure that that imposes on young minds is Mm -hmm. insurmountable in a lot of cases. And unfortunately does end in worst case scenarios. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we need to be cognizant of that. And I, so uh, to me, I think all of this does relate, like, let's give our children the benefit of building this foundation, help them understand that they are worthy. And I think a big part of that is like you were doing when you took the phones away, quality time, interpersonal connection, communication, resolving conflict, like build those hone those, and then start to add in a little bit of, of the phone. But I love the whole, I love the, um, the, uh, the, the the principle of having no phone time, like put your phones in the basket or whatever for the evening. Yeah. or all, you know,
1: just A detox, a, de- yeah, a phone detox. So. And even for those of us, because like all my kids have phones, then as parents, we need to be having conversations with them to your point about what's real and what's not real mm-hmm. and what comparison is and making sure that they are doing this inner work with themselves and are healthy and understand that, what they're seeing online is not real, yeah, right? Because it's not right. by, a, by a long shot.
0: Right. Um, wanted to ask you a little bit about your book and the process of writing that book. I know a lot of my listeners are interested in writing a book. I'm writing a book. I could use some help on organization and just how do, how do you even think about going through that? Can you walk us through a little bit of the process that you went through to, to create this book?
1: Yes, I would love to. Uh, So the first thing I did is hired a book coach (laughs) (laughs) because I'm a coach and I believe in coaching and I usually have one or two at any given time for different reasons. And a book coach doesn't write. I wrote my book. A book coach, she helped me to get organized. I'll share a little bit of that with you, like the structure and what to actually do. So one of the most fun things she told me to do first was don't write at all. So I wasn't allowed to write for three months. And my task was to take every word, concept, and idea I had for this book and put it on post-it notes on the wall. I had a dining room wall filled hmm. with multicolored post-it notes hmm. with anything that I thought of over the course of three weeks that I thought needed to be in this book.
0: Hmm. 3 I'm sorry, three weeks or three months? Three
1: weeks, just post notes. Oh, just okay. when I would think of like, oh, I, for example, comparison, I'd write the word comparison down, smack it on the wall right? Whatever things came to me. And then I was able to take those post-its down and categorize them. Oh, these things kind of go together. Mm -hmm. These things kind of go together. So I'm starting to create some sort of chapter structure. Mm -hmm. And then from there, pulling down into bullets, now like you're in a Google Doc. So now you're starting to get close to, to writing. So what you're doing is you're creating like the bones and the outline. So that when you go to sit to write, you don't stare at the cursor for hours,
2: mm-hmm.
1: being unsure of what to write. So mm-hmm. that was kind of that, the process part of it. Uh, and sense. in terms of getting it into your question before, sometimes I would write 30 minutes for one day in one week and that was it. Other times, if my kids had tons of stuff going on or even if they didn't and I said, girls, I'm gonna go into my office and shut the door and I'd hide out for a day or a day and a half and just bang out the writing. So mm-hmm. you create the time. Uh, obviously, because it's Mm -hmm. not going to create itself for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had the first round, like the first draft, and then sent it to her. And then she sent it back to me asking me questions, right? Like poking me. I don't understand what this means. Or did you mean to explain this this way? Mm. Or I need an example. I'm really lost here or whatever. Mm -hmm. Really good criticism and feedback.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then I ultimately got, took me about a year to the final draft, and this I recommend to do for sure. Once the final draft is done, send it out to a group of people to test read it. So I you know, went to Office Depot and had it bound just eight and a half by 11 straight up piece of paper and put it in the mail and sent it to them mm. so that they could read it and give me feedback.
0: That's interesting that you had it bound as opposed to just sending them a PDF or something. Any
1: yeah, significance I, behind that? Um, a significant what?
0: was there a reason for that?
1: Uh, I wanted them to be able to market. Yeah. So I sent it with pens, like okay. a red pen and a green pen. So you could, gotcha. you know, and I also am a fan of holding books. Yeah. Same. No matter how many options I have for even audible or Kindle, I need to touch a book. Mm-hmm. So, and that was a huge part of the process because then I was able to go in and on many occasions I was like, no, it doesn't matter that that was the feedback. This is what I want to say because you're yeah. firm in your voice. Yeah. some instances, if it was like the same piece of confusion with multiple people, then I would take a look and go, okay, how can I tweak that? Interesting. So that it's better, better uh, expressed.
0: Okay. Um, that makes sense. And then as far as um, publishing and promoting, was did you have a, a launch plan? Was it? Can you let us yeah, in on a totally. little bit?
1: So I self-published. I self-published with Scribe. Um, loved them, and that was, so once the actual, the draft is done, and you want to get it proofread, that's important, like like a like a grammar guru needs to go through and proofread it, and make sure things are organized properly, then it can go into publishing, where we did cover design, which was super fun, <laughs> and interior design, which is a thing, you guys, it's like, how, what's the font, and, and what's the size of the font, and are you going to do any funky things, and in my book, there's a lot of images and pictures, like drawings and stuff. Mm. So putting all of that together. Mm -hmm. um, And then we executed and delivered the book itself. Scribe helped me put it on Amazon, get it all, like get it ready and into the public eye. Mm -hmm. And then I did invest beyond that. So I hired them to help me with marketing. And I also have a PR person that I work with because I wanted to really elevate and get the book out there. Uh, I did two, I did a two city book tour. That was, that was all me. I wanted to do something fun and I yeah. wanted to, you know, as a coach and as a speaker, I wanted to bring a bunch of people into a room and do a two hour workshop and then have a book signing. Cool. So that's what we did. It was called get lit. It was really awesome. Oh,
2: um, and, and that
1: was, yeah, that was huge for promo also. And then, you know, podcasts and um, contributions to articles and being in platforms that I haven't been on before all in an effort to spread the mission of your worth.
0: Um, on that note, you had mentioned pre-call that you have a event in January. Can you um, share share with us a little bit about what that is?
1: Yes, I would love to. So it's Worthy Human Live. So the book is Worthy Human. This is Worthy Human Live. It's a three-day, two-night immersion event at O Palm Beach, which is a gorgeous five-star resort on the beach. And if you haven't been to Florida in January, it's the nicest place yeah. in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> It really, really is, right? Kevin, Peter, you know Florida. It's like magnificent time of year. Uh, And we are going to, for three days and two nights, do the work. And that means checking out what's going on in your subconscious, clearing out the blocks to your enoughness, getting you that long overdue emotional release that's keeping you suppressed and stuck. We're going to look at your patterns. We're going to do deep mindset work. Uh, You'll have tons of tools and techniques. And then on day three, we are going to work on future self, like, what it means to actually create yourself. You have to be able to look beyond your current reality. You Mm -hmm. have to be able to create the vision and understand who you're becoming and start making choices, not from who you are today, but from who you are in the vision, Mm -hmm. which feels really scary and a little crazy at times Mm -hmm. because you're not in the world where the decision you're about to make applies because your current reality isn't where you're going. Yes. But to, actually manifest and have quantum leaps and actualize your dreams, it is a skill that you need to master. Mm. So we're gonna do a lot of future self embodiment and on night two, we're having a pajama party. (laughs) Of course. I love, (laughs) one of my guiding life feelings is comfort. Uh, so I like to be barefoot. When I do a keynote, I take my shoes off, I'm barefoot. I just love comfort and being grounded. So we're gonna do a pajama party and hang
0: Are you? Did you grow up in Florida?
1: No, I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Jersey. Okay. And then in middle school, when my dad hit his 20 years as a dean and a PE teacher in the New York City school systems, said I am never shoveling another driveway as long as I live, <laughs> this is how yeah. it went down. Get in yeah. the van, and within like months, my sister, my mother's, uh, my mother, my sisters, and my cat. Twenty-four hours later, we live in Florida, and that was
0: that's it. <laughs> awesome. You don't hear that very often today. Get in the van. I heard that all the time as a kid. Get in the van.
1: <laughs> Get in the van. Don't ask me questions. No, we're not there yet. Right. <laughs> we had
0: a we had a very similar issue in my family because I my father worked in New York. He was we we lived in Florida. He was transferred up to New York. We lived in New York. My mom's from the Midwest originally, so she just just could not vibe with the New England culture up there. And she literally bought a van, sight unseen. We flew one way to Denver and some dude met us at the airport in a van. And we all jumped in the van, did this massive road trip, ended in St. Louis and anchored here. Wow.
1: For... And you've been there ever since?
0: Uh, well, I personally left after, you know, okay. moving out. But um, yeah, the family's from here originally, so... <laughs> That's get awesome in the van yeah. get
1: in the van no you can't ask me any questions exactly. I think you know it's funny because I all I, I talk a lot about how how we were raised did us wrong I think the one part of that <laughs> those generations right that the people before us they did have that part right in a way that we don't now right Sorry, the, which part? The, the the making sure that you're parenting leading the charge it's mm-hmm. okay to not give everybody everything it's okay mm-hmm. to just say no and not have a two paragraph explanation after hmm You know, that's yeah. that's something that we're that we're missing out on a
0: little bit. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, why don't we tie this up with a little bow? It's worthy human because you're the problem and the solution, the book that's coming out or re- uh, is out. Yes, it's on yep. Amazon uh in the bookstores.
1: Yes, uh it's online in Barnes and Noble. Okay. Uh but it's no, it's uh online and Amazon, and so is the audio.
0: Oh fantastic. And uh as I found out, um, before we started uh, the official call, you did record the Audible yourself. Congratulations yes. on that, because that uh, is a pet peeve of mine when authors hire other people that don't really emotionally connect to what they're doing. So kudos to, the, to you on that. Uh, and again, Worthy Human Live in January of 2020. Uh, be sure to check it out. Where can people go to find out more about you in general?
1: Uh, my website is the best place. It has everything on it, including the live event, and that's thelitfactor.com. It's lit with two Ts.
0: Factor.com. Yes. Got
1: it. Yes. My dad gave me. My dad gave me a kick-ass last name.
0: Yeah, my, <laughs> I, I did all right with mine too, King. There's a lot of, King, right. a lot of pressure with that though. People don't realize you got a big <laughs> shoes to fill. You don't know. Uh, You've got Tracy. it. You're
1: worthy. You're nailing yeah, Exactly,
0: it. exactly. It took a little while. That's, <laughs> damn, I gotta, you know. Anyway, uh, Tracy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed every second.
0: Fantastic. Thank you.